0: Welcome to another episode of Pimp Your Brilliance with Monique Malcolm, a podcast about brilliant people leveraging their passions to create their own opportunities. I aim to show you what's really possible when you shut down the chorus of fear and lean into your genius zone. You can learn more about this show and subscribe for updates by visiting keepchasingthestars.com backslash podcast or come hang out with me on Instagram at Star Only. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, Star Chasers, this episode of Pimp Your Brilliance is brought to you by The Visionary Journal. The Visionary Journal is a goal-setting guide, mini vision board, and day planner. It provides a simple structure to help you break your goals into actionable steps that you can integrate into your daily life. For more information and to order your own copy of The Visionary Journal, visit keepchasingthestars.com backslash visionaryjournal. Hey, Star Chasers, welcome to the inaugural episode of the Brilliant Bitches Book Club. I'm your host Monique of Pimp Your Brilliance and today I have two super special co-hosts, my girl Siobhan from Be Free Project and my girl Krista from Krista David Art. So I'm not even going to try to introduce them because these ladies really are badasses. So I'm going to let them do that part. So Siobhan, please tell us about you. What do you do? What's your thing? And where can we find you on Instagram?
1: Hey everyone, I'm Siobhan, founder of Be Free Project, and I teach women how to get unstuck. You can find me at BeFreeProject.com, and then I'm everywhere on social at BeFreeProject.
0: Yay! Welcome, Siobhan. And Krista, what about you?
2: Hey folks, so I'm Krista David. I'm an artist living and working in New York City. And, you know, I paint things, I collage things, I photograph things. And you can find me on Instagram at KristaDavid.art. And I live in my Instagram stories.
0: (laughs) And she does really live on her Instagram stories. So if you guys want to find out more about those ladies, definitely check them out on Instagram or on their websites. But without further ado, let's jump into this book club discussion, because this month we are talking about You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sinchiro. And she's like, if you have been in like any online circles when it comes to like being a business owner, being a creative, owning what you do, like somebody has told you about Jen and her You Are a Badass series. So when You Are a Badass at Money Making came out, like actually months before it came out, I saw it. I think actually Siobhan may have sent me like a link to this on Amazon and was like, have you heard of this? And I was like, no, but I went and pre-ordered it right away so that when it dropped, it came. And I mean, I've been raving about it ever since. And a lot of people, a lot of my guests so far on the show have been into this book. So I wanted to bring it out to you guys and talk about some of the themes and things that are happening in this book Because guess what? You are a badass. I believe that you're brilliant and that you need to pimp that shit and you should be making money because ultimately, what's the point of having all this great information in your mind if you're not sharing it or leveraging it for something else? So our first question is, what was your initial reaction to the book? Did it hook you immediately or take you time to get into it? Siobhan.
1: Yes, it totally um hooked me right away. I think I was on Amazon like looking for books like I like I always am and I saw it and I'm like, "Oh my goodness." And so I right away I reserved it for my library, which was so cool cuz I was able to do that before I was even released. And the reason that it hooked me is because I have been trying to figure out how to let go of these negative Um, beliefs that I have as it relates to money. So see, and I loved her first book. So knowing that she had a book specifically dealing with the money mindset, like I was all over it. Look, I couldn't wait to like read it. What about you, Krista?
2: Well, you know, I trust my friends and everybody was telling me I needed to read this book considering my current position in life, i.e. full-time artist, and I need to make money. So, yeah, I need to figure that out ASAP. So the book did, the title alone um, definitely intrigued me. The recommendations from friends were great. And then, those of you who don't know me, but I pick my books based on the book cover. And the book cover to this book is pretty sweet. I love type. And, yeah, so it, it pulled me in right away.
0: And same, I think I experienced the same reaction Um, when I first started reading the book. Like at first I was like, yes, like that first chapter when she was just like breaking down, like what's what's wrong with this funky mindset that you have? And just some of the things that she was pointing out and like how it's not wrong to want to make money. It's not wrong to want to make lots of money and that there are really great uses for making plenty of money. I was high-fiving that the whole time. So yeah, it definitely did hook me right from the beginning. So here is, this is going to be tough, you guys, because I've already talked to Siobhan and Krista about this. What were their favorite quotes or passages from the books? And you can't see them because we're on audio, but when we were chatting on Skype, like they were flipping through tabs and tabs and tabs of things that they had bookmarked inside of the book and also highlighted. So I, I forced them to like pick one or two. So Siobhan, what is your one or two favorite quotes and or passages from the book?
1: oh, this is so hard. It's so hard. And I have highlights like all through my book. (laughs) And then I have like notes on the, in the, like the margin or whatever. So this is really hard, but I'm gonna go for it. So on page 154, it says the universe wants you to grow and bloom into the most glorious version of yourself. Growth happens through friction and challenge and the lessons we learn through these experiences. And I actually wrote in my margin, like that is so true because I do believe that the universe wants us, like everything that's, we desire is already out there and we just have to kind of pursue it. So that's one of my favorite quotes. And then the second one is on page 194. I'm there, It says, be militant about the types of energy that you subject yourself to. Surround yourself with people whose energy lights you up and it will empower you to get rich. And I think that that's the beauty in the relationship that we have is that you ladies light me up every time we get on our chats every week. So I totally agree with that.
0: Yes. And uh, you know, that's a uh, important part of being successful as a creative or a business owner overall is surrounding yourself with good companies, surrounding yourself with people who are going to push you and have good energy and good intentions for you and can cheer you on when you're winning and, and pick you up when you're not. So yes, a hundred percent that quote. What about you, Krista?
2: So I have a lot of tabs here, so it's kind of hard to choose just one, but there was one that's stuck out too. that stuck out to me, um, and that I'm trying to meditate on now. One is found on page 165. If you made a backup plan, you haven't made a decision, which is one of these things where it's like a punch in the throat, because a lot of times um, we can, I know that I can get into analysis paralysis, and I like to have a plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, just in case, but She's right. Like if you're not going to be all in, then you're not all in and you haven't made a decision. You've just made a temporary sort of um, plan and you don't really expect it to work out. So that's important because I'm at a place right now in my art practice and in my creative entrepreneurial journey where it's like, no, decide on your thing and make that crap happen like ASAP. So that was one quotation that I loved. Another one, and this is really important again for me right now, um, it's on page 151. She says, faith allows you to release the need to know how it's going to happen, to trust that the way will be shown and to take action before having all the answers laid out before you. And again, I am equal parts right brain and left brain, but I am very analytical. I like to plan things out, map them out. I like to have timelines, etc. But sometimes it's like, hey, I don't even know what to do. I don't know what the next step is. Like I'm working on this business venture now and I'm like, I don't know anything about this industry except that I'm obsessed with it. And I, you know, I want to jump in, but I have no experience. I don't have any sort of um Currently, I don't have any mentors in the industry, but I'm I'm intrigued and I'm eager, so I'm just jumping in. And I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know how I'm going to get these products made. <laughs> I don't know anything, really, except that I am assured that I have everything I need in order to get started. And all I got to do is decide what the next good step is and just keep just keep at it. So those are the two things that I'm currently trying to employ
0: right now from the book all right so i'm gonna read mine because it's a passage and uh but before i do that you're the one about the faith krista i'm right there with you i have so many highlights on those pages because i I do feel like she was kind of like shaking me especially the idea of like moving forward, even if you don't know the how, because you're right. There is so much like getting trapped in that. I don't know the next step. I don't know what to do and not really wanting to keep going because it's like, I got to wait. I need to know all the answers, but sometimes that's just delay when it doesn't need to be. So the passage that I am going to read is on page 160 and it's um, in the chapter about faith and gratitudinal gold. But she says, it's like when you're on a plane and you take off on a drizzling, dark, depressing day. You look out at the you look out the window at the gray sky, the sad little houses below getting misty with rain. Then you head right into the dark clouds themselves. It's black and bumpy and scary. And then ta-da, all of a sudden you pop out at the top of it all into blue sky, fluffy clouds and sunshine. The sunshine and fluffy clouds were there all along. You just couldn't see them from your perspective. I don't care how insane or hopeless your situation appears to you right now because it's not the truth. It's just what you're experiencing at the moment. There's an entirely different and sunny reality out there waiting for you. All you have to do is make the decision to blast through your own storm clouds of fear, doubt, and worry. Stay in grateful expectation with unsakable faith that the sun is there even though you can't see it yet. And stay the course through the turbulence until you reach the other side. So when I read that, right. right? When I read that, like it really, really resonated with me because sometimes you read these professional development or self-help books and they can be woo woo and it's like change your mindset and all of this stuff. And that's great. I have no problem with that. But I think sometimes it makes people feel like all they have to do is like think good thoughts and change their energy. And that's fine. But I like that she kind of pointed out that you also have to stay the course. Like not only do you need to change your mindset, have unshakable faith, but you have to keep pushing forward until you get to that next place. And what she said about shifting your perspective, I always talk about that. Like when things seem horrible, when things are inconvenient or you don't want to give up something like thinking about like. Shifting the perspective on that, like changing how you're framing that, changing how you're viewing it and realizing that there's like a better way that you can handle this. So that's my favorite passage from the book.
1: Yeah, that is really powerful. That's good.
0: Okay. So here we're going to talk about some money mindset things that we were handed down from our parents. So. The author suggests writing down things your parents told you about money or any negative thoughts that came up for you. So I want to know, did you do this activity? And if so, what were your thoughts?
2: Okay. This is Krista. <laughs> I'm going to just jump right in here. So there were a lot of exercises in this book that I still need to go back and complete. But this is the one where I think I took a pause and I tried to think about it because I'm not really sure if I was taught anything explicitly about money, but I do remember certain things that bother me and from my childhood. And then I'm looking at how I deal with my own money now, and I'm like, oh, maybe that's where I get this crazy habit that I have going on now. So basically, I grew up very poor. Like, it was – we were poor. Like, I'm talking about food stamp poor. And, you know, there was never a whole lot of money – around. And if there was ever uh, any kind of like small windfall of money, it would disappear very quickly. So people who know me in real life now know me like I'm very crazy about my money. I don't need you messing with my money. Don't be asking me for my money. (laughs) Like just don't like I'm very crazy about it. Like I I look after my money. And I think I hold on to it almost too tightly because I'm afraid that it is going to run out and the thought of it running out makes me panic, and I don't ever want to be in a situation where I don't have any money. So I think as a result of reading this book, I've just been, I'm trying to loosen up my grip on what I do have, because it's not a whole lot, and try to be more generous, which is something she also um, says later on in the book, just about, you know, inner wealth, and just sort of you know, doing the best you can to be generous and to give and to tip and to all these things. And literally after I finished reading the book, I started to employ some of that. And I was like, okay, Krista, it's okay to give a $10 donation to this thing. You're not going to die. Like you have plenty of money where that came from. But I do realize I have a vice grip on the money that I have. And that is not going to get me in, in in a sort of position to have more of it if I don't loosen my grip and just be way more generous with what I have. Um, yeah, so that was that was a good sort of pause in the book for me to think about. Um, yeah, so I'm sure there are other money blocks that I have, but, yeah, i got to loosen my vice grip on what I do have so I can invite more money into my life.
0: What, what about you, Siobhanne?
1: Yeah, so like Krista, I grew up poor too. Um and I don't as I as I was reading this book, I don't have anyone close to me in my family that is financially successful that don't complain about money in some way. And so some of the things that have been said whether directly or indirectly still get said to this day. And some of the things that I hear is that money don't grow on trees. Um, Mm -hmm. when, when I tell my grandmother that I'm going to be a millionaire because I totally believe that I am, she'll say to me, well, why do you need that much money? And I'm like, why not? I have a legacy to build and just all these things I want to do. Yes, I definitely want to be a millionaire. Or she'll say like, no one has money, like no one. So in my mind that has me thinking, okay, well, Am I not going to have money because you're telling me that no one has it? And then also she'll say something like, just do the best you can. And so those negative beliefs, which I didn't even realize them until I started reading this book and doing that activity, like, wait a minute, these have formed the way that I think about money and how I'm doing things. And so in some places in my business, maybe I'm stagnant or not moving as quickly as I need to move is due to oh, money don't grow on trees, or you're never going to have that much money, or why do you need it? And so it's something that I actually have to fight against. Like every day, like when I notice that I'm having like these limited beliefs, okay, I need to switch that because I'm not owning that as my truth, just because they believe that. And that's how, what they've always known. I don't have to accept that as my truth as I move forward um, and passing that down to my children. Like, I don't want that.
0: (laughs) I agree. Uh, you know, it's so funny that you said it because I was trying to, when I did this activity. I was trying to think of like conscious things that my parents said to me about money that was like negative or made it feel bad. And there wasn't a lot of things. I mean, it's the same kind of like money doesn't grow on trees. But I think the thing that stuck out to me the most was the idea of I can't afford that. So um, my it's my family's kind of weird, but my dad's side of the family, a lot of them are successful business people, and growing up. My grandfather owned um, one of the largest minority owned trucking companies in Orlando. And my dad worked for him for pretty much my entire life, maybe until I got to college. Um, but he eventually sold that company off. So we were not poor. I guess we just fell into the place of middle class. But we I come from a large family, so I'm the oldest of eight. <laughs> so when you have that many kids and then parents, you know, there's there's not a lot of money to stretch around, even if there was a lot initially. So just the idea of like affordability of things is I think the biggest thing I think about. And when I did this exercise, it made me think of like a very specific example of something that happened. And I'm going to share with you guys. So uh, when I was like planning for college or whatever, I made my decision on where I was going to go to college based solely off of affordability or what my dad said could be afforded. So I ended up going to the University of Central Florida, which I loved, go Knights. But that is a college, isn't? It's in Orlando, Florida, which is where I grew up. So my dad felt it was better if I went to a cheaper college or a state school because he was worried about what he could afford. But I really wanted to go to UM. Like they did a college visit at my high school and I sat in on it and I fell in love and I just knew I should go to UM. But when I approached my dad about that, he was like, "We can't. I can't afford that. Like, no, that's pick something else, think about something else. So I actually only ever applied to one college. I did not, I didn't have any safety net schools. I didn't have any backup schools. I was just thinking like, can we afford this because i knew i was going to go to college so i just applied just to the one school and to this day like that is like a small regret it's not a huge like life altering regret but i do regret not at least attempting to see what other colleges i could have gotten into because here's the kicker like neither of my parents paid a dime for my college education because i had so much scholarship money like i i was really motivated in school and i graduated as number 9 from my high school class. Um, So I had scholarship money. So they never paid for tuition or books or any of that type of thing. So, you know, in retrospect, it feels silly that I did not at least attempt or I just let his money belief impede me from going to the college that I really felt like I should have went to. So... That's kind of like my big thing when I think about like negative things or that your parents said, like things like I can't afford this. And I I think now that I'm an adult, I realize like he said he couldn't afford it, but that didn't mean that like I couldn't afford it or find another way to make it happen. But I was young and I didn't know that at the time. So that's the thing that like really, really came up for me when I thought about, um, you know, money beliefs that your parents passed down.
1: Yeah. And then we got to be very mindful that we don't pass those beliefs on to our children. Because you can just be talking and just say something and you're repeating like exactly what you heard. And then now that can form into a belief that they have. I know I'm very conscious of that.
0: Exactly. All right. So moving on from that one, our next question is How serious are you about doing the mindset work and manifesting the money that you need? now that you have like some tools and some resources under your belt?
1: I'll go. I am very serious about it. Um, I feel like this book gave me so much clarity and actionable things that I can do to kind of reverse the way that I think. So one of the things that I shared with you ladies is that I... um, wrote down like the affirmations that she would have in the back of the book or throughout the book. Um, I wrote those down on like this little card and I tape it to my computer and I recite them all the time because I'm always on my computer. (laughs) So I'm always seeing these affirmations. of. And one that that I have here is I love money and it comes to me easily. And I also wrote them in my journal. And I shared, and I want to share this. I don't even know if I shared this with you ladies before, but I shared a money affirmation while I was reading the book on Instagram and someone, um, Monique Brown Vegan, actually DM'd me. And she was like, remember when you shared this affirmation about um, I love money and it comes to me easily? She was like, I started saying that. And she said when she started saying it and actually believing it, she started getting PayPal and like Stripe like money, like into her account daily daily because she changed the way that she thought and she started reciting the affirmation and she started putting action behind it. And I didn't know that me like just sharing that I was doing it for myself. And so when she said that, I'm like, oh, I forgot I said that. Let me remind myself to keep saying this affirmation over and over again. And I notice as I'm intentional about that, I can see like small changes happening because I'm changing the way that I think.
2: Yeah, no, that's really good. I yeah. need to write these money money mantras down myself. But as I was um, reading the book, so a couple things. One, it's funny how a few people in my life who are really close to me have always affirmed this idea that I, if anybody's going to be rich, it's going to be Krista. Like she is going to be rich, and I think that's a combination of just my optimism, the fact that I work really, really hard when I focus on something, et cetera. But, you know, I would just brush it off and be like, okay, well, maybe they see something I don't see. But when I quit my job a year ago, I was just like, okay, a couple things are not going to go down with this day job that you have. Yes, you make six figures. Yes, you're in this leadership position. Yes, it's a nice comfy job. But let's be clear, you will not get out of debt as quickly as you want to get out of debt. And you will not be rich having this job. That is just it's jobs are not set up to make you rich. Um and they're certainly not set up to kind of create the kind of wealth that I've decided that I wanna have for my life and to reti you know, to sort of have my money work for me. So I quit my job and I decided I was gonna make art. But now that I'm out here and it's been almost a year, I'm I'm like saying to myself, okay, you have to keep the momentum up. So as I was reading the book, I was I saw myself gravitating towards the tips that are just going to keep my mind focused on what the goal is, because it's very easy, especially when you're working for yourself, to be all over the place and to change your mind every third second about what you're going to do. And that is completely um, contrary and running in opposition to what um, Jen you know, says you should do in the book. And again, what she says is what a lot of people in the self-help professional de- development space say and have been saying for decades which is you need to have a goal you need to be clear on like what you're going to do to get to that goal you need to have a date on when you're going to achieve that goal you need to be very specific about the kind of money you need to make you know basically how many by when and so as I'm reading I'm picking up these tips and the one thing that I did there was like a passage in the book I can't remember right now what page it's on because I got too many dang tabs but she starts to describe um, a story about Jim Carrey, the actor now artist. For those of you who are curious, Jim Carrey is a painter now. Um, he he, you know, was starting out in his career. He was broke as all get out, and then he wrote himself a check for ten million dollars, like a little paper check, and he put it in his wallet. And he kept his sort of goal and his belief and his intention clear in his mind that one day somebody was going to pay him ten million dollars. For his services and at that time His services was acting and performing So I When I was reading this book I sat down And I drew myself some checks And I'm dead serious about these two checks that I've Written I wrote one check to my Student loan um, um, I want to call them enslavers Because it really is Such a, it's such a racket Like I really wish I could go back and do College and graduate school differently Because this stuff is no joke Especially graduate school which is where I racked up all my loans. Um, I wrote a check out to my student loan folks, and then I wrote a check out to my one credit card that I have, American Express. So, And I need to paste these on my wall as I work because, again, I'm out here living my life like it's golden, making art, happy, joyful, grateful. But at the same time, I'm like, I want to be financially free, and what that means is i don't want to owe a single person on the face of this earth any money and i want to have enough money to do the things that i care about i.e. make my art travel the world have a place that's comfortable and large enough to fit and support my family so that they have a nice place to live and rest and etc and like have enough to give some way to help somebody else's life, you know, improve. So I'm very clear on what I want to create. So I made these checks because I need to keep myself accountable to like, I need to manifest this amount of money by this date so I can, you know, get out of debt and then I can start making some other goals about how much money I want to have in my checking account, how much money I want to make from these business ventures, etc. But yeah, you got to have very concrete goals and it has to be specific and it has to have a dollar amount so that was the biggest takeaway for me or the first thing that I'm trying to really employ from the tactics in the book so I wrote my checks I wrote them out by hand I made them on some little cardstock and I'm gonna stick them on my wall and and or probably slide them into my bullet journal just so I can see them every single day and just make sure I'm putting in the activity in order to generate that kind of money because there's like, I need to have more urgency around um, manifesting this money or, you know, making this money and be open to it coming to me in a whole variety of ways. And yeah, so that's what I'm doing. That's what I did. So I got my checks. It's a lot of money. It's almost, it's scary to even think about how much money, but again, money is energy. In my mind, I'm like, okay, this may seem like a lot of money you got to generate, but, you know, $125,000 is not a lot of money. It's not a lot of money. It's not a lot of money. And I have to keep telling myself that it's just a little bit of money. It can come to me very quickly, and then I can be debt-free. Like, that's the truth. Yes.
1: (laughs) All of that. That's what I'm saying. You just—I <laughs>
0: feel like you just took all of the words out of my mouth. So all of that what you just said, and especially what you—the point you made about having more urgency around how quickly it can come. Because I think sometimes I know for myself specifically, I will set an amount, but I feel like it can't come tomorrow. It's—it's got to be like six months from now or twelve months from now. I never think like it's going to come in thirty days. And so I'm trying to train myself that like tomorrow you can sell every single thing that you have in your store and it could be gone, like sold. And it just takes like the right energy around that. So everything that you just said, yes. So next question, what did you learn or take away from this book?
1: My biggest, oh, oh, I, Okay. My biggest takeaway is that, and Krista just mentioned it, is that money is energy. Like it is literally energy and it's just traveling around. And so what you focus on is what you're going to receive. And so I am trying to be very intentional with my thoughts and even, I did something similar and I'm going to actually do take that idea, Krista, about making these checks, but I use it one of these little cards or whatever. And I wrote down like everything that I owe, like all the debt outside of my house and what I needed to get paid off. And I wrote that, all these things down or whatever. I put my credit reports, Wrote these things down and then I stuck it in my wallet so that it's always with me. And I know what I'm working towards. And as soon as I was intentional about that, um, I got an opportunity at this school that paid me $2,500 and I was able to pay a credit card off right away. Yeah. So noticing like knowing what that big amount is that I have to pay off and then, Having it with me at all times so that I'm conscious and I'm not just wasting money, but I know like, no, you're working towards something big to pay off this debt so that I can do the things that I love, like travel and just all these different things that I want to experience. So for me, realizing that money is energy, that you have to be intentional about getting out of debt and then figuring out, okay, how much money do I really need to live a comfortable life? And then making sure that you're putting the action behind it so that it can become your reality.
2: Yep. I, I agree. I agree. I'm so happy you mentioned that. I need to pull my credit report because <laughs> I you know, I'm focused on these two things. I'm pretty sure I don't have anything else. But um I definitely wanna make sure every I'm clear on what it is I'm trying to accomplish. But I think another thing that was really important and she mentions this a few times in the book, I think a lot of times we can um we can do a couple things. One, we can spend so much time acquiring information that can help us. So like, you know, we have, a you know, some people who are like self-help junkies and they just got to consume so many self-help books, which I think self-help books are great. The key thing about this book, and if any of you out there listening know anything about the self-help space, a professional development space, she's not saying anything new. She's not saying anything that hasn't been said five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. 50 years ago when the field first started. It's these same universal principles. I think the way she's saying it is uniquely hers. But at the end of the day, and this is what I remind myself, is like, Krista, you don't need to read any more of these books. What you need to do is be clear on your intention and what you're trying to create. And then you need to go and do your damn work. Periods. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And like express gratitude. That is it. That is the, that is the crux of this book and every other book you're going to read about self-help and professional development and like earning wealth, etc. So that was just another sort of like, Hey, these books are awesome. They're great. But at the end of the day, you still have to show up and do your work. And like, you got to do it as if your, your life depends on it because you only get one life. Period. End of story. You don't get no more time. So what you going to do? Do you want to be wealthy and whatever your definition of wealthy is? Or do you want to have all these regrets? And I've decided that I don't want to have any regrets. And I am going to put my ego aside and I'm just going to forge straight ahead and knock on whatever door I need to knock on, ask whomever I need to ask for help, but I'm gonna get this money. I promise you, I'm gonna get this money. Because I don't yeah. wanna be enslaved to student loan. Like, that is, it is, tra- like, when I think about it, it breaks my heart that I, I still am carrying this amount of debt. And there's no reason for me to be carrying around this amount of debt. There's, I am capable, I have everything I need, I have access to the freaking internet, I have access to people who are generous and kind. And I'm hardworking, so no, I should not be in debt to anyone. And I think the same goes for you ladies, as as far as anybody listening, you have everything that you need. People have done it with less, so no excuses, and please go do your work.
1: Yes, come through, Krista. Krista, I want to give you like all of the emoji hand claps and high fives. I'm like, yes, every single word of that, every single word.
0: I'm not going to lie. I had to resist the urge to clap into the microphone. <laughs> yes. I, I just didn't know how that was going to sound. Right. So I'm sitting here like sitting on my hands because I just wanted to do that. Yes! With yes. a clap.
2: <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe snap you. it
0: up. Do some snaps. Yes. This is how oh, I yes. talk to
2: myself every day. You got to talk to
0: yourself. <laughs> but it's it's a word because everything you said is true. And, and the biggest thing about doing the work, like I I like... One of my favorite things. One, I I love her writing style. So I love how it's it's relaxed and it's casual, and she's saying swear words. Because if you if you talk to me for a while and you're good friends with me, then you just know I just curse left and right. <laughs> but I don't do that so much in a business setting because you know being professional, and I don't I just don't feel like it's a part of my brand. But so the way that she she writes really resonates with me, and it's it's super casual, but. Just like what she says about like not feeling sorry for yourself and like changing, changing your story, changing like how you're perceiving things so that it just feels better. Because I know so many people who are in places where it's like you can do that, but I can't or I don't have this and I don't have that. And so I love that there's an overarching theme that reminds you like to start with what you have, like start making doing the work, start making changes, start believing in yourself which I'm a huge champion for. Like I am just such a champion for like, believe that you can do it. Believe that it's possible for you and and stop believing that it's only possible for other people. Mm -hmm. And that it's like, there's not a slice of the pie for you. Like it it was all divvied out for everybody else on this earth, but there was not a slice left for you. I, I just don't think that's true. I believe that there's enough. So I love that that theme kind of resonates throughout the book. Like do your work. Believe in yourself, shift your mindset and, you know, stay focused on the end goal. And and also uh, echoing back to what Krista said earlier about her favorite um, quote is just like not focusing so much on the how I get so many messages from people that are like. I just, I have ideas. I want to sell them. But how am I going to sell them? Or how am I going to get people to believe that, you know, I'm capable? And I always want to say, like, it starts with you. Like, do you mm-hmm. believe you're capable? Because if you don't believe you're capable, then I don't think that you should believe other people should. Like, if you can't see it for yourself, why should somebody else have to see it for you? Can, so that's, that's now, my biggest takeaway.
2: I mean, can I just share a little story? Because this was... I went to this um, conference um, a couple days ago that was put on by um, Instagram and this company called Headley and Bennett. And the CEO shared a story that I'm like, it's mind blowing, but it is very inspiring. Her name is Ellen Marie Bennett, if you want to follow her on Instagram. But she shared, she was just like, when she started her company, Headley and Bennett, I think it's like um, not even that old maybe five or six years ago she said she convinced her boss to let her make her her company is an apron company a uniform company for chefs um artists whatever basically aprons beautiful aprons she said she convinced her boss to give her her first order of 40 aprons she did not know only thing she had up until that point was that one she was a chef she wore aprons most of her her professional career and she had a lot of opinions about it but she did not know how to make aprons she didn't have a pattern for the aprons she didn't have anybody to sew the aprons she just knew she wanted to make aprons so she convinced her boss to give her an order for $40 Um, 40 orders and then she went out and she was like okay all I got is $300 like how do I get a pattern somebody to sew these aprons like source material she didn't know any of this, so she took the one thing she had which was okay I'm a chef I know to cook food and she started to barter with people I'll come over and I'll make you breakfast I'll make you dinner can you do this and like she built this multi-million dollar company off of not knowing how to do anything and that is like I was like oh okay we really do have everything that we need but you gotta hustle and you have to enroll people into your vision which is what I picked up that she is excellent at she is excellent at getting people excited about seeing what she saw which was I want to make uniforms for cooks and other people who are in the service industry so that they can be proud to show up at work Um, In a job that is very, very challenging and very, very difficult when you're working 12, 14 hour days. But she didn't know how to do any of the things. And I was just like, oh, shoot. Okay. All right. You just got to be clear about what you're doing and like have the gusto to enroll people into your thing. And like just do your work. It's amazing that things can happen. And if it can happen for her, I think it can happen for any of us, honestly.
0: Yes, ma'am. All right, so let's kind of wrap this up with our last question. And this is, this is where we're going to have to let action meet the road. So you guys, how will you use this book to further your inner money-making badass? So what will be your next steps?
1: Well, I'm going to carry this book with me everywhere I go (laughs) because I know (laughs) because what happens is, you know, kind of like what Krista was saying, like all these self-help books, they're all pretty much the same, but like we can forget. And so you can be very excited in the moment and then life goes on and you're like, wait, what was I going to do about making money? So really revisiting the things that stood out to me the most. Like I said, I already wrote down like affirmations and I'm reciting them daily um, and just making sure that the goal for me is to pay my debt off. Um, I know what that amount is. That's what I'm working towards and just being intentional about taking action. So selling products, hosting more live events, you know, getting paid to speak at different events and just being very, I guess, aggressive and also persistent about making things happen. Like I want my life to change like nobody's business. And so I know that I have to put in the work to make it happen. And I already got the tools and I got Mm -hmm. you guys. So
2: (laughs) Amen, Amen. Um I'm gonna go back to that quotation that I mentioned at the beginning, like if you've made a backup plan, you haven't made a decision, and you know, I spent a decade being a public health researcher, so I have a a a a good set of skills that I can market and make money off of, and I've been doing that part time now just to kind of fill in the gaps because selling fine art, you know um, t- to date for me has been a slow burn. But then I, I've just decided that my immediate next step is I'm wrapping up my public health projects. I have two going on right now. Again, they're very part-time, um, maybe a couple, you know, maybe like 10 hours a week. I'm wrapping those up this month, and that is it. Like, I just, I'm not taking any more of those because that was my backup plan. It was like, oh, you can have this backup plan, you can make this money on the side, and you can, you know, still make your art or whatever. No. So I'm going to wrap those two projects up. I'm not taking on any more consulting projects. I am going to hustle my behind off to sell my art and work on my skincare line, which is my other thing that I'm obsessed about. And that's it. That's it. Those are my plan A's. That's it. I'm not doing the other thing that is easy and convenient for me anymore. I don't want to be distracted or divided. So fuck the plan B. We're moving away from the plan B. Okay? Okay. We don't do plan B's around here. I am not a plan B bitch. I'm just saying I have a plan A all the all the way plan A. I need a t-shirt for that. Seriously. Anyway, that's what I'm doing.
0: <laughs> do it big then. Uh, so this is like, this is one of those scary things. So we're back in planner season, which means that I am into creation mode and also The hard part of figuring out how do you fund a planner, you know, with commercial printing because it's not cheap and there's a lot of work that goes into it and you know, this it just happens every year, especially when you're a small company and you're trying to balance inventory and money. So I'm not gonna lie, like I've been freaked out for like the past month or so thinking like this is how much I you know I have quotes, I know all of these things, and it's like, all right, this is how much money you need. So my next steps are to open up pre-sales for the Visionary Journal. And I am like freaking out all over again, just like last year. But I I like what you just said, Krista, about, you know, screw the plan B, because I already was like working on like plan B. So if this didn't work, then this is what I'm going to do instead. And I had like, I actually think I have more plans in motion for plan B than I do plan A. But let's, you know, like you said, screw plan B, fuck plan B. And let's just ride out plan A, because the worst that can happen is it just doesn't work. And that'll be fine, too. But it has worked in the past, so there's no reason why it should not work continuously or moving forward. So those are my immediate next steps. Um I'm gonna take a a lesson from Siobhan's book and add a few more post-its to my monitor with some of these money affirmations and I used to do this thing where I would write down my money goals like so quarterly every morning when I did like my meditation and my five-minute journal also spend some time writing like how much money I want to make and what by what date and I haven't done that in a while so I want to pick that up again and I have a notebook for it with my money goals and really you know focus on doing the work doing the steps because We know what needs to happen. It's just that fear part that comes up in it. It slows down the progress or it just makes you make no progress at all. And I can't be caught up in that because people need planners and I have big things that I'm I'm working on, too. (laughs) So, you know, let's let's just do it. Let's just make this thing happen. All right, ladies. So any final thoughts before we sign off?
1: This was amazing. I had so much fun. And just hearing like your insight and Chris's insight about the book and I'm ready, like I'm on fire, like, yes, let's go make this money.
2: Yes, I am. I am glad that I read the book. I'm glad I got these checks and I can't wait to tell you all about how this money has come through. yes, (laughs) yes,
1: yes.
0: Yes. So, all right. So at this point, one thing. So I I also want to steal Chris's idea for checks. So when this goes out, if you check the show notes, which I'm thinking it's going to be keep chasing the stars backslash B1, I will have some tips and tricks, uh, highlights from the show and also some paper checks that you can print out and write for yourself. So make sure that you visit that link. Next thing. So this is the first episode of the podcast book club. Our next episode is going to go up October 25th. That's when we are going to be discussing essentialism. So that is our next book. It's by Greg McKeown. So if you have not already read essentialism, grab a copy. You can also check it out from your library. It may even be available as an audio book on Audible look into that. I'm not sure at this moment, but be ready for October 25th because that's when the next podcast will go up for the Brilliant Bitches Book Club. As always, you can find out more information by going to keepchasingthestars.com backslash book club. It's all one word. And until then, you guys, we will see you guys then. And that's it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Learn more about this show and get access to show notes by visiting keepchasingthestars.com. While you're there, make sure you subscribe for updates. I'll be back next week. And in the meantime, go out there and pimp your brilliant.